He took a back seat. He seemed almost to be like a sideline player. And yet, he's probably one of the most important people in the Christmas story. It's your morning meditation for December 13th, the third Sunday of Advent. So for those of you that don't know me, I am 36 years old, which means that for 36 years, I have heard the exact same Christmas story. Now, I don't know how old you guys are watching, but I'm pretty sure that you guys have heard the same Christmas story for however long that you have been alive. Um, well, because I say that because, you know, the Christmas story is probably one of those universal stories that... A lot of people know. I would venture to guess that a good majority of the people in America know, and there's probably a good number around the world too, because the Christmas story is just told that much. And even if they don't believe, even if they're atheist, they have all heard the story of a young virgin girl named Mary, who Mary, who was supposed to marry a man named Joseph, and they had a baby named Jesus, and Jesus is this important figure in Christianity. I would venture to guess that it's right up there with the Easter story. A lot of people that know the Easter story, even though they don't believe. So with all of that being said, let me ask you a question. Let's play a quick little game. I'm going to name a character in the Christmas story, and I want you to... Um, Think of what they say in the story. Ready? So let's start with an easy one. The heavenly host. They were the choir of angels, if you will. Right. They said glory to God in the highest, and they praised God that night on a hillside with the shepherds. So what did the shepherds say? Well, if you said, come, let us go see, or something along those lines, you were correct. Uh, let's see what else. The angel. There was an angel in a lot of the Christmas story, just an angel. What's some of the stuff that he said? Uh, you could have quoted the whole story of Mary. Uh, you could have said, fear not. There's all kinds of things, right? So what about Mary? What did Mary say? If you said something along the lines of fear not, or I am yours, or what you said will be, then you are correct. And finally, Joseph. Are you having a hard time figuring it out? Well, you're not alone because in the entire Bible, Joseph doesn't speak a word. You know, I think that Joseph has kind of become one of those background characters, but the more that I read and the more that I study on Joseph, I think that Joseph is probably one of the most important characters in the Christmas story, one of the most important players, if you will, in the Christmas story. And he's so sidelined, the fact, in, in fact, that there isn't a Christmas carol dedicated to him. We've got Christmas carols to the shepherds. We've got Christmas carol to, carols to wise men. We've got Christmas carols for Mary. We've got Christmas carols for angels. We even have Christmas carols for a little drummer boy that wasn't even in the Bible. And yet, if you Google search Christmas carols about Joseph, I think when I did it a couple years ago, I found like one, and it's one that nobody has really heard. Um, so... Joseph doesn't really play a key part as far as speaking 
terms in the Bible, which is probably why a lot of young boys want to play Joseph in the nativity story, because he doesn't say much. If anything at all, he doesn't say anything at all. We just know what Joseph does through all the Christmas story. And that, in my opinion, well, that makes him one of the most important characters and players in the Christmas story. So before we get into our scripture reading this morning, let's say a quick prayer. Father God, this morning we're going to be looking at your faithful servant, Joseph. And I just pray that we learn something from the way that he lived his life, something that we can use in our own lives. And Father, as I always pray, I pray that our ears be open to hear, our minds to interpret and our hearts to internalize and our wills to do. And I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, rock, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. So every Christmas, I get the opportunity to preach in one way or the other, and I usually do a sermon on Joseph. That's how much I admire the man that Joseph was. And so I figure, why not? I haven't been asked to preach at any churches yet this Christmas season, and I'm doing these little morning messages. So why not do a message on Joseph to kind of continue? Now, we're not going to be really talking about our calling like we were with Mary and Mary and Elizabeth, and we're going to go back to that a little bit when we get into the next couple messages. But today, I think what we need to do is we need to look at some of those character traits that each one of us as followers of Christ really need to to do, to symbolize, to to make in our lives, to, to make visible in our lives for others to see. And to do that, well, we need to look at the story of Joseph. And so, The beginning of Joseph's story starts in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is how the story of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. But because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David... Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because you what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Now, I think before we really get into the key points of today's message, you need to have a little bit of background. Um, Engagements, marriage engagements in those days were a lot different than they are in these days. Uh, Today, you would present a ring and you would ask someone to marry you, and that would pretty much be the beginning of it. And you would have that engagement period and you would plan the wedding and then you would go to the wedding and you would officially be considered married at the end of the wedding. Now, back in those days, when you got engaged, well, technically you were married. Um, What we need to remember is that in this day and age, marriage is one person to one person. But in those days, marriage was a family to a family. And That's how a lot of families would increase their power by marrying another family that had power 
And it was a way to make sure that your lineage for your family would continue on and it would have a good genetic line. Now, the the man would propose to the woman and in turn he would present a dowry to the family. And once that dowry was accepted, the announcement would be made that this man, this woman were engaged to be married and they would technically be considered married. Now, there would be a waiting period of about a year until the big wedding ceremony to kind of finally put like the finishing touches on it. But the, the husband would then return to his home where he would begin to build a room on to the family home where they would live. And it would take about a year. And so he would then return. They would have the giant wedding ceremony and they would be an official husband and wife couple. Now, Mary and Joseph find themselves in this one-year waiting period. And so, technically, when Joseph finds out that Mary is pregnant and he knows that it's not his child, well, then he has every right within the law to divorce his wife. And he could make her life extremely miserable. He could throw her under the bus. He could give her a huge public disgracing. He could make a giant spectacle of the divorce proceedings. But Joseph, well, he didn't want to do that. And that speaks a lot to who Joseph was. Um, but continuing on with the background stuff, you know, Joseph decides that he's going to divorce her quietly. Um, now, if he would have put Mary through that spectacle of public disgrace, well, then he could have just washed his hands of the whole thing, been free and clear, and he could have saved face. But by divorcing her quietly, well, it actually kind of makes Joseph look bad because Joseph isn't going to mention anything of the fact that the baby's not his. He's just basically going to say, I'm done with her. I don't want anything to do with her. And he's going to leave her a single mother. And that could potentially be bad for Joseph. But it's almost as if he loves Mary too much to put her through the, the huge disgrace that ultimately, in his mind, he deserves. Or and not in his mind that he, she doesn't deserve. But what? the Jewish community around him probably thought that she would deserve. And so that's kind of the backstory of where we're coming from. And when we talk about Joseph, so what is it that we can take away from the story of Joseph? Well, much like Mary, there isn't much in the Bible to tell us about who Joseph is prior to this. Um, we can probably guess that we do know that he was a carpenter. We know that in those days that he was probably building some, he would build doors and windows because in the area that they were living, a lot of people lived in caves. Um, we, he probably built furniture. Um, we do know that he probably made a name for himself. Uh, there's several mentions of Jesus, Joseph's son, the carpenter's son in, in Jesus's ministry when he's around his home area. Um, we also can tell that Joseph was, um, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought for a minute. We, um, we also know that, that Joseph was probably a man of good standing. He was probably a very humble man. Um, there's a lot of different character traits of Joseph that we can see and we know. But the other thing that we do know about Joseph is that you know, he just kind of faded into oblivion. I wouldn't say oblivion, but he, his story was ended rather abruptly, actually. In Luke, um, 
later on in the book of Luke, there's a story of Jesus going to the temple when he's 12, and his parents accidentally forget him there because Joseph thought he was with Mary, and Mary thought he was with Joseph, and and they go back and they find him. And then that's really the last thing we hear about Joseph. We don't really know when he passed away or anything like that, but what we do know is what we read here and what we've learned from his son, Jesus. Now, there's a a Methodist pastor, his name is Adam Hamilton, and he actually wrote an entire book on the story of the nativity, the Christmas story. It's called The Journey. And when he talks about Joseph, he actually went and interviewed a bunch of carpenters. And I just want to read this selection from you right here. Here's the book, in case you're wondering. But this is what he says. He says, some years ago, while preparing to to preach a sermon on Joseph, I interviewed a a team of carpenters on a construction site. And I asked these guys, based on what they knew of carpenters, what they thought Joseph would have been like and why they thought God chose Joseph to be the earthly father of Jesus. Their responses were quite moving. They thought Joseph would have been a man who liked to work with his hands, one who put in a hard day's work and took pride in what he had done. They imagined him as someone who enjoyed working outdoors or in his shop and who understood the importance of doing something right the first time. Those who had sons could also picture Joseph teaching his trade to Jesus as his son grew up. Humble, hardworking, honest, a craftsman, a person who took pride in his work. These are a few of the images I have in my mind when I think of Joseph the carpenter. So a lot can be said for the man that Joseph was, and we could probably break down the Gospels and look at Jesus, but I think, well, I think another, another good place to look is in the book of James. Now, James is the brother of Jesus. He's the half-brother of Jesus because we have the same father, same mother, but obviously a different father. And if you want to feel bad for anybody in the Bible, I would feel bad for James because James had to live in the spotlight of his older brother, Jesus. In fact, James refused to admit that Jesus was even the Messiah until he encountered his resurrected brother. He probably watched his brother die on the cross and said, well, that's it. This crackpot brother of mine is finally gone. And then Jesus comes back. And at that point in time, James became a believer. And so this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the book of James, and we're going to pull some things out that James is telling his readers. Well, the first thing that we can learn from Joseph is that actions speak louder than words. Now, obviously, there is no quoted passages of disgraced Mary. He could have easily have said, you know what? I don't want anything to do with you anymore. You went out, you gave me this ridiculous story that God was the son of, was the father of your child. Who even believes that? Who even says that? But instead he chose to first to divorce her quietly. And then secondly, to stay with her when the angel visited The book of James has this to say. This is James talking to his readers. He says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. See, what James is basically saying is that you can tell people till you are blue in the face that you have faith, but it is your deeds, your actions that need to be there to back it up. 
The same thing with Joseph. Joseph didn't say a word, and yet he spoke volumes. When we claim to be followers of Christ, people are watching us. They are looking to see what we are doing. They are not so much listening, although they are listening. But the most important thing is what we are doing. It's our actions. And if anything that we can learn from Joseph is that actions do speak louder than words. It's something that, it's a phrase that we use all the time when we talk about following through, that actions speak louder than words. I've heard it a lot in my life, and I'm sure you have too. And it's the one thing that we learn, one of the things that we can learn from Joseph is that our actions speak louder than words. The second thing that we can learn from Joseph is humility. Humility is so huge, and it just seems as if it is a dying thing in our society today. Like, it just feels as if everybody is getting this self-inflated ego, and they're allowing that ego to rule and control their lives. Now, James is... James addresses this in his book, and he actually quotes the book of Proverbs, but he says this. He says, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy. Or do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us, but he gives us more grace? grace. That is why scripture says, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Our ego, it seems, gets so big that we begin to push God to the back burner in our lives. We think that, you know what, I don't need God. I can do things on my own. Behind other people. We humble ourselves in front of other people. And by doing that, we humble ourselves in front of God. It's amazing if you look at the story of Christmas and you look at the nativity story, what you are going to find is God is using these humble people. Mary, we talked about Mary and how she came from a humble little town of Nazareth and and Joseph came from a humble town of Bethlehem and they both of them themselves were humble, you know, a carpenter is humble. Mary was just a 13-year-old girl. And we're going to find next week, we're going to look at the shepherds and we're going to find out that a shepherd was an important part of society, but yet a lowly part of society. Notice that Jesus or that Jesus was not born into royalty. He was born into humbleness. He was born to two humble parents in a stable of all things, a place where animals are kept. When we begin to put we in front of me, We begin to humble ourselves. We begin to think of ourselves less and less and less. And it's something that I know that I've talked about a lot over the past 10 months that I've been doing these videos, nine to 10 months that I've been doing these videos is humility because it is so important for us to be humble. And finally, we learn resilience. And I think that this is probably the biggest one 
by by not divorcing Mary and going with her through pregnancy, um, it really threw Joseph through the mud too. You know, it's one thing for it would have been one thing for Mary to be a single mom because Joseph left her, but you know, it's not like it's not like people didn't realize kind of what happened between Mary and Joseph, even though we know what it really happened. You have to look at the actual picture that it was painting. We have these this couple that was engaged, right? And they're not supposed to consummate the marriage until that wedding day, a year after they become engaged. And yet here's Mary. She's pregnant. So what does that say? What do you think society thought about that? You know, nowadays, teenage pregnancy, it's something that we, we have a lot in our society. But back then it was rare. And think about the the stigma that was placed on it. Even even today, there's still a little bit of a stigma. And so I'm sure that back then, Joseph really had to go through the mud. He had to show how resilient he truly was. You know, I can imagine as, as they got older, the kids asking Mary and Joseph how they met, how they came to fall in love and how they were married. I'm sure that you asked your parents when you were growing up, I I asked mine and, and they tell you that story and they had to listen as Joseph and Mary recounted how they were, they, they went through these situations with Mary and Joe or with their, with their pregnancy outside of true marriage. And, you know, I'm sure they probably heard people whispering about them even I'm sure the kids heard people whispering about Mary and Joseph, even in in their older age. And, you know, we know that Jesus probably learned his resilience from him. Remember on the night that that he was being tried before his crucifixion, he didn't really say a word. He just held his head high. He stayed true to what he believed. He never really condemned himself. He never tried to defend himself. He was just there. And I'm sure that is a resilience that he learned from his father. James had this to tell us about resilience. He says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be, may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. In our lives, we are going to be drugged through the mud. It's, it's, an, it's a fact. And as followers of Christ, it can, has the potential to be even worse than what it would be if we weren't followers of Christ. But what we have to remember is that we need to be resilient. We need to stand up. We need to stand the test of time. We need to hold our heads high. And we need to face it with a smile on our face. And I know that that is probably the worst thing that I could say to anybody right now, especially if you're going through some sort of tribulation in your life is, why should I have a smile on my face? Because we know that our hope lies in this baby that was born on Christmas day. And that with that hope, we can face anything in our lives because we know, we know the ending. Whatever it may be on this earth, we know that we are bound for a second homecoming, a glorious homecoming. And that is the faith and the hope that we have. And I'm sure that that is a resilience that God, that Joseph had. He, he saw 
when the angel came to him, he finally got to see the big picture and he knew that his hope didn't lie in him. Maybe he knew that it lie, the hope that he had was lying in Mary's womb at that point in time, growing as a baby. So to recap a little bit, the things that we learned from Joseph, and these are just three that I kind of pulled out. There's so many more if you read the story and really study the story, is that our actions are going to speak louder than our words. We need to be humble and we need to be resilient. Those three things are some of the characteristics that we as followers of Christ need to emulate in our life, to imitate and to emulate. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, well, we thank you so much for that Christmas story. And we thank you for picking a man by the name of Joseph to be the father of that Christmas story, this, the stepfather. Lord, he spoke volumes to us, and yet he didn't utter a single word. Lord, help us with our, to see the actions, to learn from his example, and to follow him. Father, help us to do, to humble, and to be resilient. In your name we pray. Amen. Everybody have a great day. We will see you right here tomorrow morning where we look a little bit more in depth at these three points of Joseph's life. Take care. God bless. Thanks, everyone, for listening to the Mission 4110 podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's morning moment. You can connect with us further on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search Mission 4110. Also, subscribe to our podcast so that you can listen to our newest messages when they release. For Mission 4110, I'm Jacob Mahaffey. Take care and God bless.